What a tremendous pleasure it is to be together tonight and really appreciate the worship we've engaged in already as we've uh, gone to God in prayer and uh, listened to his word read and sang some really beautiful songs. Thank you, Andrew. Appreciate the, the way that we are so privileged to honor God and worship, to do this together as his children, and uh, to be here this afternoon, this evening, to, to do these things. If you're visiting with us tonight, we're really glad that you can participate in these things with us. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, as we're going to look uh, in part, at least to start with, at a really familiar passage that describes the trouble we're in, so to speak, the battle that we fight, and the foe that we face. For in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, the apostle writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. In this passage, Paul indicates that we are in a great spiritual warfare. And that spiritual warfare requires that God help us. We are, as we just sang in the last song, dependent upon Him. He is our strength. He is who will help us stand. As you continue on, of course, in this passage, Paul enjoins us to put on the whole armor of God. He says in verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand... Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. To stand against our dark and powerful enemy, we must be valiant, we must be courageous, and we must have faith in God and in His strength and His power. In the 108th Psalm in verse 13, the psalmist writes, Through God we will do valiantly for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. And just as Andrew read, I think, from the 18th Psalm, so much of the Psalms tell us about the strength that we have in God to overcome our enemies. David had a lot of enemies, and he writes a lot of Psalms about how God helped him overcome insurmountable, insurmountable enemies. But with God's strength, David did it. And with God's strength, we can too. Our enemies are far greater than many of the ones that David faced, whether you're talking about Goliath or Saul or the Philistines. 
we are wrestling against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And it is the armor of God that we must take. But the focus, of course, I want to go to tonight is that aspect of prayer. To pray as a valiant warrior in in peril of his spiritual life, fighting against a foe that could easily overwhelm us, and to pray those valiant prayers that will help us gain the victory. It is, I think, in the world in which we live, especially easy for Christians living in a free and prosperous society to feel pretty secure instead of depending on God. It's easy to become so satisfied with the physical blessings that we have that we have little desire for spiritual blessings. It's easy to become so dependent on our physical resources that we don't see the need for spiritual resources. We may be blinded to the battle that rages all around us against the spiritual hosts of wickedness. And we may even become practical humanists, if you will, living as if God was not really necessary for our success, as if we can make it through this world unscathed by the powers of darkness, by our own strength, because after all, we're so capable and we're so blessed and we have so much and we can do so much. It can easily become our attitude that God is not necessary. Nobody in this room would say that. And yet, still the devil would like us to think it. When that happens, passionate longing for God, yearning for His help, will disappear from our lives. It's because of this common danger that Paul understood that we also need to understand that Paul closes this great epistle to the Ephesians with this appeal to take up the whole armor of God. And in verse 18, again, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watchful to this end with all perseverance for all the saints. Equipping ourselves with God's armor is not a mechanical operation. I think sometimes we read through this and, okay, we've got this piece of armor and this piece of armor and this piece of armor. And we look at the armor of a Roman soldier and we see how all of that worked together for his defense and for his power as he attacked the enemy as well. And so we have these pieces of armor and we stick this on and we stick that on and we see, think of it as a mechanical operation. It is not. It is not just that. But if we see it that way, we're failing to understand our grave dependence upon God in this battle. Equipping ourselves with God's armor is an expression of our dependence on God that we cannot win this fight without Him. We will surely not win this fight without Him. And fervent, vigilant, constant prayer is the most obvious admission that we could make of our dependence on Him. And so tonight, the prayers of the valiant. Ephesians 6.18 describes a valiant warrior's prayer life. It is persistent. It is spirit-powered. 
It involves prayers and supplications. It is watchful. It is persevering. And it is purposeful. All of these things are inculcated in what we see in verse 18. And we have much to say tonight and some things we won't go in much detail on. We have looked at Ephesians 6.18 not too long ago in a sermon, but I looked at it from the other perspective, from the end of the chapter, from where it goes rather than where it's coming from. And I really want to think about it in terms especially of this valiant warrior and his prayers. And that valiant warrior is you and me. The valiant pray persistently. Paul says, praying always. Praying always. The Jewish people of Paul's day had um, prescribed times for prayer. You even see that in some of the practices of Jesus and the apostles. Going up to the temple, uh, Peter and John did at the hour of prayer, for instance. Um, The Jewish people had those prescribed times for their prayer lives, but, but the coming of the new covenant really brought a, a, a new dimension to, to praying. So among other things, you see the early Christians in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, they, they devoted themselves, they continued steadfastly, one translation says, in prayer, among other things, Acts 2.42. In, in many of his letters, Paul either admonishes or acknowledges the constant prayer lives of Christians, continuing steadfastly in prayer, Romans 12 and verse 12. Continue earnestly in prayer, Colossians 4 and verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 17, pray without ceasing. And Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 3 that he was praying for him night and day. The devotion to one's prayer life indicates to me at least that early Christians did have an understanding of the need of prayer, the value of prayer in their warfare against Satan. The early church engaged in prayer and found that meaningful repetition in prayer was appropriate For one to be praying at all times obviously means that uh, we pray at times in formal settings, but many times in informal settings. And that there's something about prayer that may intrude into every moment of our waking lives. Jesus prayed. He taught us to pray. Among the things he taught us about prayer in in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7 is that when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And so if you just stop right here, everybody follow this. We're told to pray without ceasing, to pray continually, to pray steadfastly. We see Christians doing that. And yet, and yet, Is Jesus saying, don't use any repetitions? That's going to be really hard, isn't it? (laughs) If you have to pray all the time and you can't say the same thing twice, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying don't use vain repetitions. Don't just think that you're going to be heard because you're talking a lot. 
And you're saying the same thing over and over again. The heathen, uh, in their prayers to their idol gods, would do that kind of thing. You even have a record of it in Scripture. Back in 1 Kings chapter 18, you might remember Elijah's battle with the prophets of Baal. They're up, they're up on Mount Carmel. And it says about the prophets of Baal that they called on the name of Baal from morning till evening saying, Baal, hear us. Now, let me tell you what, if that's all they said in their prayers, and it may well be all they said in their prayer, that was a lot of repetition of something that was meaningless because it was to an idol god. Baal, hear us, Baal, hear us, Baal, hear us. Right? So Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't just say it to be saying it. Don't say things that are useless in your prayers, and especially don't repeat them. But meaningful repetition is appropriate, and there's nothing wrong with praying the same thing meaningfully. Jesus himself did that in Gethsemane. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. How many times did he pray it? At least three. If you count, I think it's four. He repeated the same thing. In fact, Mark's account in Mark 14.39 says, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. The same words. But those words were fraught with meaning. And those words brought Jesus to agony. So that his sweat was like great drops of blood. Such a meaningful prayer, yet saying the same thing. You say, well, did Jesus lack faith? Why did he keep on saying it? Wouldn't shouldn't you just be able to pray to God once and that takes care of it if you have faith? Hmm. Does the Lord not want to see our passion? Does the Lord not want to see our need? And it's not the repetition of a thing in prayer that is especially significant to us. A confession of our need for him to help us and our trust in him to do so. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He said three times, three times, I asked the Lord about this thing. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you. So praying at all times is, is to live really in a continual awareness of our need for God. Where everything and anything... <clears throat> that we might see or experience, might lead us into prayer. When we are tempted, we take the temptation to God. When we experience something that's good and beautiful, we're thankful to God. When we see evil around us, we pray that God will make it right and use us to that end if necessary. When we meet someone who does not know Christ, we pray for that person and maybe for ourselves to share the gospel with them. When we encounter trouble, we turn to God as our deliverer. In other words, our life becomes continually ascending prayer, perpetual communing with the Heavenly Father. Not that we're speaking a prayer every moment of our lives, but that any circumstance in our lives and every circumstance in our lives might lead us to prayer at any moment. And our fellowship with God is so close and so dependent that that's what happens. And so we catch ourselves praying just when anything happens. 
or when everything happens. Praying at all times is to constantly set our minds on things above and to recognize that every experience calls us to prayer. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Colossians 6, Colossians 3, verse 2, rather. Why don't, why don't we pray all the time? Why, why do we as Christians have difficulty with that? You might be saying, well, I never have any difficulty with that. Well, good for you. Let me talk to the rest of everybody. Is it, is it because we don't understand the seriousness of the warfare that we're in? and this awful foe that we're facing? Is it because we don't realize our utter dependence upon God? Is it because our minds are not set on spiritual things? Is it because we're too busy and we kind of got the things that we wanted from God? By that I mean, did you ever play with kids and, and maybe you have a, some pennies or some candy in your hand, you know, and you, you're holding it in your hand and you say to the children, if you can pry my fingers open, you can get what's in my hand, the candy or whatever it is. And so if you're with your grandkids or something, you know, they mob you and they pull and pull on your fingers and eventually they'll get them open enough or you let them get them open enough that they, they get the candy that's in there and then they grab it and they run away as if they've really conquered, they've really got something. And they don't come back until they've got the candy eaten. And with God, we're like that. We think we have to pry it out of his hand. And the thing that we have is some physical blessing, some small thing. Yes, I got that thing from God. I don't really need him anymore, do I? I think there are lots of things that go into our lack of a constant prayer life. But one of those things is the failure to plan. I, I have found in my life that yes, I want to pray spontaneously. Yes, I want to pray at any time and every time. But also, my prayer life is much enhanced if I plan times to pray. That there are certain times that I will make a point to pray. You start with meal times, I think, of course, but Rising up in the morning, first thing. Going to bed at night, last thing. Other times during the day where you're doing a specific thing and you know you're going to, position, going to be in a position where you can pray to take advantage of that and just make it a plan and a routine to pray during those times. And from that, this consciousness of God and your need for Him and His presence with you, I think, takes over for the warrior, for the one who is valiant, who's fighting the battle against Satan. The valiant pray persistently for all of those reasons. The valiant pray in spirit. Again, in Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, the text says. Praying in the spirit is prayer 
that I think, first of all, conforms to the will of the Spirit. It is facilitated by the Spirit, and it conforms to His will and purpose. What do I mean it's facilitated by the Spirit? Well, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We don't know how to ask, as we ought to, but the Spirit helps with groanings which cannot be uttered, getting our prayers to God. We talked about that in an earlier lesson. And He intercedes, the text says, according to the will of God. So when we pray prayers, we pray according to the will of God. We pray for things, as we were talking about in the, uh, our Bible class this morning, things God has promised, things we know that God wants us to have. If we ask according to His will, He hears us, John says. In Ephesians, to pray by the Spirit is to pray through Christ, for in Him we have both access by one, we have access by one Spirit to the Father, Ephesians 2.18 says. So praying in the Spirit is all of that, but it may also relate to being fully involved in the prayer in the inner man. Praying with the help of the Spirit of God, but also praying in your spirit with your inward man involved. So in Romans chapter 1 and verse 9, Paul declared that he served God, he says, with my spirit. We are to worship God in spirit and in truth. And that spirit has to do with our spiritual involvement. In 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So the spiritual man is involved in this. I'd like you to look in your Bibles. I've referenced several verses very quickly, but look at Romans chapter 12. And look at Romans chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Where, as Paul describes the life of a Christian, the day-to-day, how a Christian is to live, among other things he says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. That means you're on fire inside. That means you're zealous in the inner man. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. All of those things are to be done with a fervent spirit, including continuing steadfastly in prayer. Prayers are only going to be ho-hum if we are ho-hum. The fire in a prayer comes from our spirit. The valiant do not pray ho-hum prayers. There is no such thing. The valiant understand the urgency, their need, and they're on fire to talk to God. A prayer warrior is a soldier of the cross. He's one who takes the whole armor of God and gives his body in service to the great captain. He involves his spirit fully in every act of worship, in every act of adoration and homage, and that includes prayer. The valiant also pray with all prayer and supplication. So that is to say, all sorts of prayer are offered in all sorts of places for all sorts of people. The word prayer in 
Ephesians 6, 18 is the general word for communication with God. Supplication, and supplications particularly in the plural, tends to get to hear specific things you're pleading for. So you have prayer in general, communicating with God sort of generally, and then you have lots of things that you're talking about, asking for and pleading for. That's the concept of those two words, I believe. To use both of these words points to the idea that we're involved in prayer generally, but in all kinds of prayer. There are scriptural commands and examples that we have concerning prayer and the way it's to be done and uh, when it's to be done and how it's to be done. And what we find is there's a great variety. We, we, we may pray publicly. We may pray privately. We may pray in loud cries. We may pray in whispers. We may pray very deliberately. We may play, pray a planned prayer or a spontaneous prayer. We can pray while, while sitting, while standing, while kneeling, while lying down, while in our home, while in the assembly of the church. We can pray while working, while traveling with our hands folded, with our hands raised, with our eyes open, with our eyes closed, with our head bowed down and with it raised. All of those things that I just said are found in Scripture. Every last one of those things. All, that, all those different ways of praying and situations of prayer and positions in prayer. The commonality is, of course, the attitude of the heart. That you're praying fervently. But all of these kinds of prayer, again, indicate that prayer is constantly with us. And we are constantly in prayer. The New Testament and the Old Testament mention many forms of prayer, many circumstances, many postures, but prescribe none exclusively. Jesus prayed in all sorts of conditions while standing, while kneeling, probably in other positions as well. For the faithful Christian, the point is that every place becomes a place of prayer. We are a house of prayer, collectively and individually. Prayer is wherever we take it. And that brings me to uh, 2 Timothy. Familiar passage, in, or 1 Timothy rather, chapter 2. Where if we look at the first couple of verses, Paul says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. This again is a passage certainly that we've looked at even this year multiple times in lessons. But is it not a call for all sorts of prayer, for all sorts of people in all sorts of Places And Paul is piling up these various terms in reference to prayer to describe all of that. And when you go down to verse 8, he says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. These are the prayers of the valiant. All kinds of prayer offered everywhere and always reflect, don't they, a constant fellowship with God. That's what enables this sort of prayer. Constant fellowship with God, that God is with us and we are with Him. God's greatest desire and our greatest need is for us to be in fellowship with Him. 
there's no greater expression or experience of fellowship than prayer. That's what constant fellowship with God meant to the psalmist. In Psalm 73, the psalmist says to God, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Now, we think about God being with us, but I love this psalm because it turns that around. (laughs) It's not, God, you're always with me, but God, I'm always with you. I'm continually with you, and you hold me by my right hand. Your right hand is the hand of your power. God's holding your hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me into glory. The whole purpose of prayer is not merely for the immediate, immediate petitions that we have on our minds, but it's, it's an extension of this relationship with God. He is our Father. We are His children. He is always with us. We are always with Him. He loves us always. We love Him always. We are dependent upon Him always. And He is always there for us. And so in in Ephesians 6 and 18, nothing could be more sensible than to pray always, in all ways, to this God who's always with us. The valiant watch and persevere in their prayers. When everyone prays, he needs to pray with an alertness and a vigilance. Concerning his coming again, Jesus told his disciples in Mark 13 and verse Mark 13 verse 33 it should be, take heed, watch and pray, for you do not know when the time is. So we need to be ready for Jesus coming and watchful and praying as we anticipate that. In the garden on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus told his three disciples to watch and pray, yet lest you enter temptation. Paul counseled the Colossians in Colossians 4 and verse 2 to devote themselves to prayer. Again, constant watchfulness is indicated in that. Constantly persevering. There are two parables that Jesus shares with us about being watchful and persevering in prayer. One is of the persistent neighbor who had a friend come at midnight, wanted something to eat, and he wasn't going to get up and get him anything, but he kept on knocking on the door. So he did. That's persistence in prayer. And then you have the, the uh, insistent widow who had the judge, you know, who wouldn't avenge her, wouldn't give her justice, but she just kept on going. And the judge says, I'm, I'm not really much for justice, but she's just wearing me out. So I'm going to give her what she's asking for. And in both of those parables, the first in Luke 11, Jesus says at the conclusion of that, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. And in the original language, all, all three of those phrases suggest a continuance. Continue asking. Continue seeking. Continue knocking. Just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, and you will receive. It will happen. Be like that man who had the friend come at midnight. And in the other parable, 
He concludes it this way in Luke 18 and verse 7. The one about the widow who kept on asking the judge. He says, Will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Hmm. Well, of course he will. But notice they're crying to him day and night. There's a watchfulness and a perseverance that's involved. To pray in the right manner also involves praying for specific things. And just as an illustration of this, I'd like you to go with me uh, over to Colossians chapter 1. And look at the way Paul prayed for the Colossians. I'm going to read this and see if you can pick out how many specific things Paul is praying for concerning the Colossians and how many of these things are spiritual things. Notice those two things as I read this. How many things is he praying specifically for them and how many of these things are spiritual things? Colossians 1 and verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Okay, well there's the perseverance and the watchfulness, right? For Since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. That's a bunch of specific things. And every last one of them is spiritual. We pray all the time for physical necessities and for the physical well-being of our brothers and sisters in Christ concerning illnesses, family problems, struggles that we're going through, whatever it might be, loss of loved one. We pray for comfort for one another. We pray for all of these things. There's not any of that in that prayer. But I want to tell you what. That's the prayer of a valiant man who understands that the big fight isn't a physical one. It's a spiritual one. This should be our prayer. For these things. Don't leave off the physical. We need that. But this is where the war is. This is where the battle is. This is the prayer of the valiant. Praying with a spiritual focus. It's illustrated there in Colossians 1. These other passages, you can see the same thing. I'm not going to go through them. Didn't intend to, but I'm giving you those verses. You can look there as well. Prayers with a spiritual focus for specific things. The cause of the Lord needs valiant people who are serious about fighting the fight that needs fighting against the forces of darkness that are overwhelming us, frankly, in our world today. We're in the battle against a mighty foe, and uh, we are completely dependent upon God to defend us, protect us, and give us the victory. Let's pray like that. Let's pray like it all depends on us praying. 
because maybe it does. Thank you so much for your good attention and kindness in listening to this lesson. And I hope that tonight, each one of us, as we strive to be the people of prayer God wants us to be, will think about ourselves now in a different way, fighting a warfare that we must not lose. But tonight, it's very likely that there's someone in this room who is losing the war. For whom the powers of darkness have overwhelmed you and leave you in need of forgiveness, of help, perhaps of confessing and receiving help from this church in one way or another. If you're outside of the body of Christ, Jesus is calling you into a relationship and a fellowship with Him. Stand with Him in this world. We'd ask you to come while we stand and while we sing.